everyone. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 130 of the show, where we are taking a journey through the adventures of the Marvel superhero universe from the beginning with Fantastic Four number one, and going all the way at least through the end of July 1966. Yay! We're finishing another month, kids. We are. And this episode only has a smidge of Nick Fury. Only a smidge. Just a smidge. That's going to be our new thing, like our new reoccurring joke, is how much Nick Fury is in this <laughs> episode. <'Cause... laughs> too Sergeant, too Furious dropped today, and that was <laughs> yeah. too much Nick Fury. <laughs> and it seems like it's been like that since, in a way. Like, we keep lumping... Uh, Sergeant Fury and Strange Tales? Sergeant Fury with Colonel Fury are right. always ending up in the same episode, and it just seems very furious. So, very little Sergeant Fury today, because we are talking about today Tales of Suspense 82... Mm-hmm. The Avengers 32, The Fantastic Four 55, and Amazing Spider-Man 41. Excited Good lineup. Yep. Yeah. Fun stuff. So, um, little story. Mike and I have crazy lives, and we always intend to do a couple of episodes every week. And so, you know, one or both of us reads for that But then there's so many weeks where one or both of us can't make it. And so we've got these comics read and Mm -hmm. we sit on them for a while. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of those. Like, I'm pretty sure I've read this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I know I've read it, but it's just it's been a while. Uh, Tales of Suspense 82 has a Captain America cover, the maddening mystery of the inconceivable adaptoid. But of course, we're going to have to wait for that story because Iron Man is up first by force of arms. It is script Stan Lee, pencils Gene Colan, inks Frank Chicoya, lettering Artie Simic, and emergency first aid uh, Irving Forbush. Okay, so by force of arms reminds me of the right to bear arms, and Mm -hmm. my son is in civics this year. Mm. So he brings out this document with the right to bear arms. He's like, what does this mean? I was like, the right to carry weapons? He's like, okay, Uh. because I was picturing somebody walking around with bear arms. (laughs) And I was like, yes, you do have a right to furry muscular arms with claws on the end. Unless you're trying to get to 7-Eleven. Right. What say we forego our usual introductory caption this-ish? Seems to us that this one pulse-pounding pick tells you everything you need to know. Oh, oh, Stan, don't you realize people are going to be podcasting about this 50 years from now? Thanks for the recap, Stan. Yeah. Iron Man's punching the titanium, man. That's all I got for you, kids. Yeah. On on this Um, audio medium, here's the description of the splash page. Right. So they're fighting, and there are people down in the audience watching the fight and, like, commenting on it. Pepper and Happy arrive. They're like, oh, my gosh, that's Iron Man up there fighting Titanium Man. And and Pepper's like, isn't he wonderful, Happy? Even that giant can't outfight him. All Tony Stark sure knew what he was doing when he made Iron Man his bodyguard. Tony Stark, if only we knew where he was now, because, like, the location of Tony Stark has been a mystery for, I don't know, 17 years. Um, (laughs) Yes. Senator Byrd is also watching all this. Iron Man won't fail us. I feel it in my bones. He beat Titanium Man once, that one time where I said he had to fight Titanium Man for the good of America, for our pride. He can do it again. Um, And, yeah, it's a lot of fighting. Uh, the fight like moves and so like everybody like follows it there's like this like scooby-doo crowd of people following the fight um there's uh buses with cameras for the news footage 
Um, at one point, Titania Man shoots his paralysis ray and it hits Iron Man. He's like, that's impossible. Nothing can paralyze me except this. And um, let's see. Yeah, Iron Man cries out to Pepper and Happy to get away because they're getting too close. And Titania Man realizes these humans are precious to the Ironclad One. And so he releases Iron Man from his paralysis ray or Iron Man short circuits it or something. But then he puts his paralysis ray on Pepper. I have no choice. No matter what, I can't let anything happen to the girl I love. Next issue, victory. Jesus. I kind of feel like I have no choice. No matter what happens, I can't let anybody be killed by the Titanium Man, I hope. But, <laughs> I mean, the stakes are higher, of course, because it's Pepper. But, like, if that was just a janitor he didn't know, I hope he still tries really hard. Right. But, you would uh, think so. Yeah. What's the guy? Oh, Crimson. As soon as I went to ask you it, the answer popped in my head. Funny how brain works. Uh, Crimson Dynamo, you know? Mm-hmm. And the Titanium Man are kind of like the two big Iron Man doppelgangers as far as armor goes, uh, at least until Stain comes around, I guess. But uh, uh, I think I'm in the Titanium camp. I like him more. I do reason. like Titanium Man. He looks cool. Have we have we had the discussion about how this arc has basically come full circle and hasn't stopped yet? Yeah. And... It seems like the stuff in the middle didn't matter that much. Right. Like, like okay. Yeah, ha- go ahead. Happy learning that he was Iron Man. Uh-huh. That was a big deal. Except yeah. then they just erased it. They just basically forgot about it with the whole freak incident. And that yeah. didn't really end up mattering at all. And Happy being yeah. in the hospital didn't matter at all. Well, Tony- it's still very ambiguous what happy status is. Because since that freak thing we've only seen him on like two panels and he said right. two sentences so is he still amnesiac or is he just back to normal yeah i don't know we don't know because we're not really getting a lot of happy or pepper right now it's weird i think um, they forgot i think they wanted to just backtrack and not deal with what they set up feels like well i was thinking whenever happy and pepper showed up that it's actually been a while since either of them was an actual character in the story mm-hmm. and not just like barely acknowledged bystanders mm-hmm I would say the last time was the Black Knight and Pepper realizing that Tony is a schmuck and Iron Man's the real hero. Mm-hmm. And then she went to go save him. Like, that was the last time I remember Pepper actually having things to do and thinking she, about things. She was one of our, you know, better rounded female characters. Uh-huh. And she's, you know, got nothing to do these days. Right. Um, page two. Uh-huh. Titania Man. Our top scientists have labored seven days a week to make my armor many times the superior of yours. Mm-hmm. They even fed me special hormone pills to enlarge my body so I can control my titanium suit with ease. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that sounds horrible, actually. It does. But if you look at how big he is, it's like, okay, well, that makes sense that he fits in that thing, I guess. I'm just imagining Obadiah Stane from the Iron Man movie. He's just like, he's just like in a chair in there pulling levers. Right. It makes no actual sense, but it makes more sense than a person being in that suit. I know. I kind of feel like that was just a stand dialogue piece because he's looking at these pictures and going, how does a person fit in that thing? Right. That's an Iron Man thing in general. Like a lot of times I'll see art of Iron Man and then I think to myself, what does the human inside look like? Because it's got to be a freak. Yeah. Iron Man is designed to look like a person made of iron. 
Iron uh, Man is not designed to look like a person inside an iron suit. No. Especially back in the day when, like, I mean, the MCU has fixed this quite a big deal, quite a bit. But, like, back in the day, he would just take his helmet on and off, like a motorcycle helmet. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then his helmet, his helmet head should be huge then, like a motorcycle helmet. But it's not. It's just the size of his head. Mm-hmm. But, but now they do, like, the whole uh, the faceplate comes down and the thing is just sort of a thing wrapped around his neck or the back of his head. So that makes more sense. It's a tighter fit. Um, but also on page two, you should have known we would never permit you to testify before your Congress. And that becomes like a conceit through this whole thing. Like, we don't want you to testify. And the good guys are like, we hope he can testify. And it's like, I don't really get the point of that so much. Like, I don't, I think the Titanium Man wanting to beat up Iron Man in a round two fight makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cause he got, cause he got, you know, busted the first time on national television. But like, what does Iron Man testifying in Congress do f- that's bad for the Russians? Like, did they expect him to just unveil all his technology to America or something? Or I don't know. It's just well, I think that's what weird. the Senate is hoping. I think the Senate is hoping for, to get all of access to all of his secrets. But even if that's true, he'll just agree to it at the meeting, but then later do it. Not do it at that exact meeting. It's just kind of, I don't know. Yeah. It, it is, is a little weird. strange. It's a little strange. Um, the crowd... <laughs> One of the guys says, I don't care how big that titanium creep is, Iron Man's never been beaten yet. Now, mm. like, public perception is a heck of a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't know what people know and don't know about his adventures that we right. sometimes. But it's just like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Iron Man's never been beaten yet. Yep. I mean, ultimately, um, he hasn't because he's still here. But he does get setbacks. Is that like, uh, if you're still smoking, you never quit smoking? You're just... Yeah, it's not over till it's over. Uh, But this also reminded me of the Doctor Strange thing we just read last episode, and there's bystanders, and it's like, is this a new style that Stan's trying to like have, uh, you know, the Marvel people witnessing and noticing things going on around them? It's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah, actually, I really like it. I don't always love the major action chapters, but this one was pretty great. I Mm -hmm. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it has its you know story quirks, and that's the way I like to like, you know poke fun at. But it's a pretty solid read. Well, I mean, you didn't mention the Iron Man roller skates. If you want to talk story quirks, <laughs> I he pulled those out, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. On the one hand, it's really really dumb, but on the other hand, I wouldn't want it any other way. I don't know. I remember that there was some conversations having with I don't know. Spider-Man or one of the uh, you know younger Avengers or something, mm-hmm. and what my brain is wanting to say is that the conversation was that Spider-Man didn't have a driver's license, uh-huh. and Tony Stark is like, "Well, I built a suit of armor with iron roller skates in the boots, so <laughs> I didn't really need to drive either." <laughs> That's funny. Um, it's just weird, but it's cool, I guess, for the '60s. I don't really know how a paralysis ray works, all right? I, I, I'll, I'll fess that up front. But Iron Man just pulls out some wire with a naked tip. It's a live wire. Um, he shorts the electric beam by sticking his live wire in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like that's not how well, electricity works, but okay. Even more so, that when he gets first hit by the beam, he says, it's, an, a, it's a type of electrical force short-circuiting my vital power sources. Does Pepper have vital power sources? 
Well, shoot, if it's short-circuiting your vital power sources, that seems like it's not safe for human contact, right? It also feels like it's not really so much paralysis as turning his armor off. So he really should just be more like standing there dead or something. But and You're right. If it's turning his armor off, I went, uh, blah, 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 whatever her name is, Pepper, Pepper has no yeah. armor. Yeah. So is it really doing that or is it, is it paralyzing the, the human body inside the armor? I don't know. Sometimes I matter. wonder if possibly the writer of these issues didn't think everything through ahead of time. Yeah, it's possible we're just being super nitpicky, and it doesn't really matter either. But That's always fun, though. That's a fun podcast. I do like that, like, Titanium Man, the first round was just basically stronger, but otherwise no match for Iron Man. And now he has the strength still, but he also has speed and more gadgets and stuff. But still, mm-hmm. there's a lot of cool moments where Iron Man, like, outsmarts him because that's kind of his thing. And so short-circuiting... This uh, paralysis beam that makes no sense is still kind of very Iron Man and neat. Yeah, it is very Iron Man. But yeah, Titanium Man does have gadgets and gizmos aplenty. Very much so. So, next up, the maddening mystery of the inconceivable adaptoid. Wow. Yeah. We have uh, Captain America and Bucky uh, jumping between bullets. And it says, study this scene well, Marvelite. For it is one that has not been viewed for more than two dramatic decades, except for that run of issues we did last year. (laughs) You are actually observing the most famous adventure team of all time, Captain America and Bucky, in cyclonic action. For the seemingly impossible explanation, let's read on. Stan Lee authored the script. Jack Kirby penciled the story. Frank Jacoya inked the drawings. Artie Simic lettered the panels. Irving Forbush sharpened the pencils. Mm, That's important. Warning, a lot of nutty things are about to happen, but don't worry. They'll all be clear to you by the time you reach page 10. Um, I beg to differ, sir, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Okay, so Captain America is sitting in Avengers Mansion in that one living room that he likes to just like chillax in looking at his old photo albums, because that's what he does. He drinks Jarvis's tea and looks at his old photo albums, and that's just how he spends his day. He's like, I hope Stark does come back to this uh, mansion sometime so I can tell him how grateful we are for the use of his building and his vehicles and for his Jarvis. And Jarvis is like, yes, sir. Um, so Captain America's walking through the hallways. Do, 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 do. <gasps> I hear footsteps. Someone's inside that room. It can only be an enemy. He opens the door. It's... It's Agent Axis, the scourge of World War II, shooting at him. But you're dead. I saw you die myself. And he throws a punch at Agent Axis, who's no longer there. It's like, huh, that's weird. Wait a second. Am I getting battle fatigue? Am I going crazy? Am I losing my mind? Oh, no, the TV scanner. I see Fang the Warlord. He also died in the blaze of battle in Hiroshima. When the bomb was dropped, I must be going mad. And then he starts seeing all these faces and he runs out of the room and he thinks, you know, what if the hallucinations come again? He opens the door. Oh, no, there's there's Iron Man's armor, just like he left it. So what's the answer? And then suddenly, as he's holding a wheel to like open and close the door to Tony Stark's spare Iron Man closet, suddenly he's turning the wheel of a car. He and Bucky are driving a car in World War II. They jump out, they hop on motorcycles, they punch some Nazis, and then all of a sudden Captain America is at a display of soldiers and Sergeant Duffy's yelling at him. Captain America, quit kidding, mister. You know as well as I do why we're here. There's a war on, ain't there? And have you run into that crummy gold brick private Steve Rogers? 
because, you know, being Captain America, you do definitely have a good chance of running into him. Tell him if he don't report to me on the double, I'll have him up for desertion. So then Captain America's like, oh my gosh, I'm really going crazy. He can't be here. It's an impossible dream. Wait a second. Wanda and Pietro, y'all are back? I thought y'all were in Europe. And Wanda and Pietro hold him. He's passing out. Oh no. And then suddenly Quicksilver is Jarvis. Wake up, Captain America. Wake up. He's like, it wasn't them. It was you. And Captain America passes out. And Jarvis just totally lifts him. Like Captain America doesn't weigh over 200 pounds. And carries him off. Meanwhile, off in that AIM headquarters that got blowed up real good last episode. Um, Several uh, army agents or shield agents are clearing it out. And they find the body of Count Bornag Royale, one of AIM's top brass. He's not dead, but he's pretty darn close. They find this person-shaped container that's uh, got the lid taken off and it's empty. And Royale's like, oh no, the adaptoid is loose. We haven't failed yet. He can still carry out his mission. The adaptoid will win the final victory. Meanwhile, back at Avengers Mansion, Jarvis is standing over Captain America, and he walks over to the closet, opens the closet door to make sure that Jarvis is still unconscious inside, because Jarvis isn't Jarvis. Jarvis is the adaptoid. He changes into a nondescript puppet of Charles Xavier and walks around. Um, He sends his adaptoid beam over to Captain America's face and he turns himself into Captain America. And Captain America looks down at Captain America and takes his shield and says he will not lead it any longer. Next issue, the adaptoid's mission. Ooh, good job. That was a good one. It is really good. Um, Uh, Damn. But I... I very ex- amazing read, but I have some serious questions. Okay. <laughs> um, the, f- the first one being the album, because those albums always really make me think way too long. Okay, why so? Oh, where did the pictures come from? Where did the pictures come from? How did they survive his 20-year gap? Why does he have a memorable album with Red Skull in it? <laughs> and pictures of himself fighting, just himself fighting. Like, who's taking these pictures, and why did he think this is a good one? And put it in the album. Or are these just albums from like like memories that he found in books and stuff? And so he put them all in his own book so he can recall his old days. But he didn't assemble this or something. You know, it's like they're not personal. They're I don't just, know. They're just I shots just, of him in action. Yeah. And he's, but I mean, the other the other pictures he's had have been like personal. Oh, there's Bucky, you know, whatever. Just a headshot. But this is weird. But yeah, it's, it's like a whole thing of why would you sit there looking at pictures of yourself fighting yeah, bad guys? Yeah, and why would you have a memorable album with the Red Skull in it? I don't know. So I was going to talk about how Jarvis had only been in Cap stories and not in Avengers yet, because this uh-huh. this scene right here reminds me very much of the first Captain America solo scene mm-hmm. uh, in, in uh, 59 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was there in issue 16. He served tea to Wanda and Pietro whenever they came to the mansion to sign up to be Avengers. And he was in 18-2, but it was a scene like this where he served refreshments to Cap while he's all alone in the mansion. Yeah. So so far, Jarvis's primary job is to give Captain America refreshments. Because apparently, well, we don't really know, because ever since the Kooky Quartet, they've just been basically living in the tech basement, not in the mansion. And we don't kind of know who else lives there but Cap. We know Cap lives there for sure. Right. But do the rest live there or do they go other places? And maybe We've that's seen- why Jarvis is always just serving Cap because he's the only guy there. 
Yeah, I used to wonder if Wanda and Pietro were living here, but we have seen them living other places. And right now, of course, they're living in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and but, Hawkeye's shacking up with Black Widow, probably. Well, yeah, he always seems to arrive from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So he he's living somewhere else. So yeah, Jarvis is just Captain America's butler right now. So do you find, do you, when you read this scene, like initially it's kind of like, oh, it's kind of weird that Cap just like lets Jarvis serve him tea. I don't know why I find that weird. Like he doesn't seem like that kind of guy that would that would be comfortable with that. Right. But then I like the panel on the bottom of page two where Jarvis is like, can I draw you a bath? He's like, no, no, no. I'm definitely not that guy. I'll take a shower all by myself. Thanks. See and you, you don't have to help with it. And you don't have to help me. <laughs> yeah. But then he's walking away and he has a thought bubble that like I was like, this is actually probably a legitimate concern. He he realizes that he's old. Mm-hmm. Um He's feeling tired. Now he's probably just ready to go to bed. But I wonder if it isn't my age finally catching up with me. I couldn't bear having to retire. That could just be a joke line, but it could also be an actual legitimate concern. Mm-hmm. I thought that too. Like, how do you know when your powers are going to just fail on you? Right. Like You, you are living in a supernatural state of existence. How do you yeah. know it's going to last? Yeah. And plus, you know, even already, historically, he has had mental problems. So. Mm-hmm. When he has mental problems throughout this whole story, I always feel like that's a real uh, anxiety source for him because it's not uncommon for him to not remember things correctly, so even is, now. Yeah. Is Agent Axis just the adaptoid? So they say they spiked his T. Oh, did they spike his T? He says that in the end, like the T he gave him in the beginning, because that's not Jarvis, that's the adaptoid. He spiked his tea so we don't know what of this is hallucination and what okay. of this is probably all mostly hallucination except quicksilver in the end who really is probably jarvis and he's just seeing quicksilver i missed this the spiked tea line because that's what i was having questions about it's like okay i can buy that like all of these fake people are the adaptoid pretend to be different people mm. except that a it seems that he has to scan someone to become that person uh-huh. And also, B, he has the whole like full scene hallucination later. The whole full scene, he's got multiple people. And how would the adaptoid know all these things about Cap's memory, like Sergeant Duffy? And, you know, I mean, you could read some stuff, I guess, but like, I think Cap's just having a personal nightmare because of the T. So here's some fun trivia uh-huh. Agent Axis was an actual Golden Age character. Okay. I was wondering about that. For DC. Oh, well, see, I think they made him up then for this, right? They don't even show his face. No, Kirby, it's a Kirby character. In DC like, before this story? Oh, Golden yeah, Age, you said? Gold, okay. Yeah, Kirby used him in Boy Commandos. Oh, wow. And I think he just forgot that it was a it's, DC character. Does not he a Marvel look character. like him? Yeah, this is the character. Yeah, he's got that little battle mask on oh, his face. Oh, yeah. wow. Or so maybe, because they don't show a nice money shot of him, maybe like they're just stealing it without actually breaking any laws because they don't show anything? I mean, it's possible. The general consensus on the internet is that he just didn't remember who he drew this <laughs> character for before. And then the other thing is, on 14, the guy's like the king, the war... What is it? Rang? King? Something Unfortunately, it's Fang. Fang. Okay, my, my text is blurry on that panel. But um, he dies in the Battle of Hiroshima. Would that be before or after Cap went sleeping? I think it's after, so he would have had to learn about that later. But Fang is actually a character from the Captain America comics also. Oh, did we already cover him? Uh, well, Or you mean the Golden Age comics? Yeah, Captain America oh. comics from issue oh. six back well, in the day. Well, I guess we could argue that Cap just read a history book. 
because mm-hmm. you know I know things about Hitler, and I wasn't alive when Hitler was alive. So right, that's right, that's fine. So he recognizes him, but he knows he's dead. Mm-hmm. I imagine probably one of the first things Cap did once he got settled in somewhere is look up his old nemesis yeah. to see he was alive. Well, that's good if he was in the in the comics because then that explains why Cap would have a like personal nightmare about him. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just a random person. Man, I would so try on that armor. I'm sorry. If I'm alone in Avengers Mansion and I somehow have access to this wheel closet <laughs> and Iron Man's spare armor is just sitting there, that is going on me while no one's looking. Yeah, it's not even entirely clear why he even opens the door. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, is someone hypnotizing me? Well, not in that room. I think that's what it was. He was just kind of like searching the secret rooms to see if anybody was like hiding behind them with a hypnotized gun or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So Captain America passes out in Pietro's arms. Mm-hmm. And then Pietro slash Jarvis is looking down at him. And he says, it was you who caught me. It wasn't them. Oh, no. And I like that word has become rather loaded of late. Yeah. <laughs> them, sir. I haven't any idea. Wait a second. I work for them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that last panel though how like the caption does not say anything menacing like there's no hint in the captions anyway that there's something wrong with Jarvis but it's clearly something wrong with Jarvis just based on how he easily picks Cap up like that it's funny because as I was recapping I was like huh that's weird and it wasn't until I'm looking at this picture we're talking about it like you were just starting to talk I was like oh wait a second of course because he's the adaptoid mm-hmm and I hadn't realized that the first Jarvis in the first scene was also the adaptoid until you mentioned it earlier with the spike in the T. All it says is in the caption is Jarvis, you know, lifts the costume figure and then we have to move on to some other part of the story. But it's like you could if you're paying attention, you can see that there's just something all kinds of wrong with Jarvis in that panel. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Very menacing. Um, so, yeah, Bornag Royale makes his last appearance as Yay. he mutters about the adaptoid. That's cool and- because the last episode I asked like, for an hour and a half, like what happens to this guy? So there you go. That's what happens to this guy. Yeah, he's right there. I guess they didn't successfully eliminate him like they wanted to, if they wanted to. And I guess maybe their explosion like knocked open the adaptoid's coffin because he got out of there. Yes, although apparently that's a good thing because he's happy about it. So there must be some sort of mission that's going on that's supposed to be going on. And whenever they had the um, the nondescript drones that they were sending out before, I forget what they called them. But I wondered if they were precursors to the adaptoid. And I feel like that isn't necessarily true, but it could easily be true based on just what we've seen so far. Kind of seems related because all their stuff has been robot stuff. Mm-hmm. And when he's not in a person form, he looks just like those char- those, those other beings. He does. It's kind of interesting. There must have been two departments, though, because then why was AIM trying to kidnap a life model decoy? Because they're so much better than our stuff. But mm-hmm. here, we ha- here we have a super adaptoid that can changed to anything oh you're right but maybe it wasn't ready yet or they thought it wasn't ready yet and it popped open early because of this explosion yeah maybe there's something about him being not quite blendable yes. as much as they wanted it to be yeah i bet a life model decoy has a better personality oh that too yeah. well speaking of life model decoys boy was that only our first issue because that was really great okay yeah that was a really solid two story issue but yeah all right avengers number 32 also, maybe solid. No spoilers. Okay, the sign of the serpent. Um, there's no real caption that matters here. Stanley, writer and raconteur, Don Heck, artist and bon vivant, Artie Simek, letterer and patron des arts, and Irv Forbush, scapegoat, junior grade. 
Um, <laughs> so they come back from that one thing that we were really bored by, that two-parter in the mountains. I can't, can't remember. Oh, about like the guy who holds the fire or something like that. Yeah, in like Peru. <laughs> yeah, in Peru. They come back and they forget that the they're in the basement against. So there must be a door to the basement directly. And they forget that, you know, there's a safety or a security system. So the security system attacks them and they all kind of like, ho, ho, whoever thought the security system would attack us, ourselves, our own security system. And they have a really good time defending themselves. And like Hawkeye shoots it out with an arrow after Cap, you know, st- or, uh, blocks the beam for everybody with his shield. Cap and Hawkeye have a real bromance moment and high five about it because apparently now they are best friends. The bestest friends in the whole wide world. Um, <laughs> Goliath is like, yeah, you guys go ahead and cheer and stuff. I'm out of here because I'm still stuck at 10 foot tall and I'm a horrible person. And, uh. and as he's walking away, the shield like of Cap almost hits him in the head. Cap throws a shield at him. And Wasp is like, what is he doing? He's attacking my boyfriend. And Hawkeye's like, he knows what he's doing because I have complete faith in him now. Unlike the last 20 issues. Goliath attacks Cap. Why'd you do that? Cap attacks back. Because I wanted to. What are you going to do about it? And then Wasp is finally like, I've had enough. Cap, why are you being so mean? And then Goliath snaps out of it and realizes, oh, I get it. He was just attacking me to get my, my uh, you know, manly testosterone up. And now I'm not feeling sorry for myself anymore. Thanks, Cap. You're a great leader. And Wasp kisses him. And Cap and Hawkeye go work out together. Um... Anyway, cut to a scene where there's these guys in robes and serpent uh, 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 helmets and clubs, you know, wooden clubs. And they're, like, beating this guy in an alleyway and saying, like, how he shouldn't have moved into the neighborhood. He doesn't belong in this country. Now, this dude is white, so I'm assuming, I don't know, maybe Jewish or something. I don't know why he doesn't belong in the country. But he doesn't, according to these guys. And they beat him up, and the neighbors don't say anything. And it cuts back to their headquarters where a guy with even bigger helmet. Uh, Oh, by the way, they call themselves the sons of the serpent and they're like recruiting more white people and everybody's like excited. Yeah. Let's get all these weirdos out of our country. Um, Back at headquarters, 10 foot Hank Pym is getting frustrated with his normal sized equipment. He takes it out on Jan and tells her he doesn't need her help. She storms off and says, well, you should find somebody who can't help you then you big fat meanie black widow was spying on the Sons of the Serpent's meeting, and she decides the best way to redeem herself with Hawkeye is to tell him about it. So she turns to the Black Widow, she does some cool Spider-Man stuff to get into the Avengers Mansion, and she tells him about it. And they, like, look romantic at each other and stuff. Hank Pym calls Tony Stark, cool Tony cameo, and asks him, do you know anybody that's into, like, biology and fixing guys who are stuck? And Tony says, you know what? We have a guy who works at our plans and research division. His name is Bill Foster. He can help you. I'll put him in touch. So Bill Foster shows up, and the two of them get along because they're both scientists and like to talk nerdy egg stuff. Um, eventually, Wasp comes back and, like, serves them coffee and stuff and decides to forgive him, although she's still a little peeved, I think. Uh, back in wherever the heck... Uh, Wanda and uh, Pietro are Bulgaria, maybe. Um, I guess they found a scientist and he's like just shooting them with rays and stuff. And then he's like, yeah, your powers are fixed. So that subplot's over. So then we cut back to Bill Foster. Now he's in the woods 
And I kind of don't remember why. I guess they he and Goliath moved their lab out into the woods for some reason, maybe because it was going to be explosive stuff. And he gets attacked by the uh, Sons of the Serpent because he is black. And they don't like that. So they beat him up really bad, and they leave their calling card. And Goliath comes along, and he's like, what happened to you? What's the stick? Okay, we are stopping everything about fixing me and my experiment, and we are getting rid of these guys because they don't belong in our America. Dang it. And so he he uh, uh, assembles all the Avengers. They hang out at the Avengers round table, and they all agree, yeah, we should probably do something about this. Wasp was kind of like, really? Aren't you, don't you think maybe the police should deal with this? Doesn't seem like a superhero thing. But they're like, no, they're racist. Therefore, the Avengers. And I'm going to ask Nick Fury. Cap's like, I'm going to ask Nick Fury about stuff because I bet there's a big file on them at S.H.I.E.L.D. So Cap goes to do that. And he goes by way of that uh, cool uh, barbershop. He comes in as Steve Rogers. They almost gun him down. But then he's like, no, no, I'm Cap. See? And he opens up his chest and there's got a star. And, yeah, Nick has a bunch of stuff. So here's the smidge of Nick Fury in this episode. He gives them a bunch of stuff on the S.H.I.E.L.D. computer that they can go by. Meanwhile, a delegate from some other country is coming along to speak at the U.N., the Sons of the Serpent now have this cool cloud machine, and it shoots an electric beam at the car next to the delegate, and he freaks out and goes home because they don't want any crummy foreign delegates here. The Avengers go on national television and say, we are going to stop the Sons of the Serpent, uh, and that makes the Sons of the Serpent mad. So they kidnap Captain America with their cool cloud machine. Hawkeye can't stop it. Um they overpower him and they beat him up after a big awesome fight. Uh, then they get a call. Goliath takes over as in charge, or he already was in charge. I'm not sure. And he and they they get a they get a, a one of those serpent sticks put on the top of their roof with a message that says, "We have Captain America. If you don't cooperate, we're going to kill him. You have to pretend like you love us." And Goliath's like, "Yeah, we should probably do that." So then when the phone calls. And it's uh, attorneys general, and they're like, hey, you need to help us fight the Sons of the Serpent. Goliath tells Hawkeye to tell him, no, no, we actually aren't sure if they're bad guys or not, so we're not going to support your desire to take them down. The Avengers maybe support the Sons of the Serpent. And so that news is reported, and the Sons of the Serpents are happy, and I guess Cap gets to live till next issue, which is called The Serpents Smashed. The end. So this is... Very much a very blatant, you know, comment on 1966, you know, racial dynamics. Yeah. And the civil rights movement and the people who stand against the civil rights movement. So much so that, like, even nowadays, the sons of the serpent are brought back into stories to stand in place of... White supremacy. Yeah, and actual movements that are happening in the world. And I also think, like, this, and this one's obviously the most racist, but I feel like We've got a lot of, you know, them and AIM and uh, the Secret Empire. And none of that's really like supervillains, supervillains. It's all Mm -hmm. evil organizations. So that's just like a 60s byproduct too. There's just like a lot of organizations out there, maybe. A lot of groups. A lot of groups. Groups are now the new uh, fun villain thing. The Secret of the Flame was that underground group in Peru. Oh, yeah, exactly. That seems like the new thing. Is like instead of creating new villains, we're getting new groups. Um, but yeah, but the the Sons of the Serpent, you know, it's a concept that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. The stories don't always flow as well as you might like. Uh, this mm-hmm. one's not too bad. Um, actually, all the characters have a lot to do in this, which is mm-hmm. great. 
I thought it was pretty good. I think I had a little bit like, you know, every once in a while we read these and it's like the art doesn't quite match what's going on. Like I kind of feel like Bill Foster getting attacked just came out of nowhere and the location was out of nowhere. And I don't know how that happened. But I was puzzling on the location. They say that they have built a shed Mm -hmm. for, for, you know, Goliath to use for his lab. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the shed is like behind Avengers Mansion or like somewhere else. It seems like it's in the middle of nowhere. So not only is it jarring that suddenly they're there, but like why are the serpents there? Just randomly? They just came across Bill Foster? Or were they after him targeting him? Because they don't really talk about that. That's only the really – only the real – one part of this that made me scratch my head, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not clearly laid out. The only way that it, it plays out in my head is that there is a small that there are trees around the back lot of the Avengers Mansion, and so there is a small wooded area between the shed okay. and the mansion. So if he was walking the twenty feet from one structure to the other, and they ran off the street and ran to get him, that you know that could have happened that way. But yeah, maybe. Like, it's 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 still it's still kind of unspecified, unclear. Also, kind of nuts that they would decide to attack Avengers Mansion or anywhere near it. But yes, uh, man, Hawkeye sure has changed his tune, huh? He is like he is a flipper. Yeah, he and Cap are friends now. I guess Hawkeye decided that he was going to be a big person now. Like Cap can do no wrong by him now. Nothing. Like even when Cap attacks Goliath out of nowhere, Hawkeye's like he knows what he's doing. I trust yeah, him completely. Yeah. <laughs> that whole piss someone off to show that they're still a person shtick has never made sense to me. That's just very superhero team, especially Avengers team. Like, yeah, he was just feeling sorry for himself. So now he gets angry and defends himself. And I guess the the theory being that now you realize that you still have a little fight in you. Stop being, yeah. a, stop being so morose. There's one part in the Proteus arc early in Claremont's X-Men where Cyclops decides to like shoot his blast at Wolverine and almost dies mm-hmm. as a result. Wolverine's like, I gotta respect you, bub. And I'm like, really? Because... Men. Yeah, men. I mean, sadly, it does kind of work that way, but it, there's definitely historical uh, uh, examples of that in reality. People respecting each other after a fight. I don't know why. There must be a psychological reason behind it, but whatever. There's that one guy they assault, and they tell him you're not even born here. My yeah. son's in civics class this year. He is learning all sorts of interesting facts, like George Washington wasn't technically an American citizen because he wasn't born here, uh-huh. and neither was Alexander Hamilton. Yep. So that's fun. Yeah. But yeah, every time I read this story, it feels more applicable instead of less. I am kind of – until the cloud shows up, which, by the way, also was the other part of the story that was kind of enemy. Like, what is that? Just a zappy cloud? I don't know. But until then, I was kind of with Wasp thinking this seems like below their pay grade to deal with. I know racism is bad and stuff, but these guys aren't like going around controlling uh, or, you know, bench pressing 20 tons and Mm -hmm. destroying things. They're just like an evil group that could be taken care of by the police or the FBI or the CIA or whatever. It does raise the question of jurisdiction. It reminds me of that one new Avengers episode where Luke Cage just wanted the Avengers to like go, like just hang out on the street and uh-huh. keep an eye out and say hi to uh-huh. people and watch for anything you know shady going on and mm-hmm. just sort of be a presence. And you know that sort of street level monitoring of of the human populace is is fine and it's it's good and it's worthwhile. But or I it mean, could create a riot, right? Yeah, might be worse. 
I wonder about that too. Like JLA also, but Avengers. We'll have to keep an eye on this stuff. Like especially like other countries. If there's if there's disasters, are they allowed to go? Because you know technically these people are all incognito. So are they even American? Who knows what they are? They all have right. masks. Who's Batman? We don't know. So is Batman allowed to go other places? And does he care if he's allowed? Does Superman care if he's allowed? He seems to care all the time about what you know the United States president wants. But I always wonder about that because what's the point of being a vigilante if you care? Kind of weird. Mm, anyway, yeah. but then the JLA or the Avengers are often government sponsored or sanctioned, and then it's just like gets murkier as to what they're allowed to do and not do. I guess. Yeah. Once Batman is a law-abiding deputy of the of Gotham City Police Department, it's just like, well, okay, but that kind of missed the point of the. You know, <laughs> right. the character. Right. I do right. take very strong issue with Henry Pym treating Jan the way he does at the beginning of this mm-hmm. on page six. It's like after all the years, because when they came back into the story, they were working together mm-hmm. on science and she is no longer the, you know, he called her a kid. She was a young adult, but she's no longer the, the bright, you know, bright eyed young person coming in. She's experienced. She knows what's going on. She's been working by his side for however long. And he just like talks down to her like that. I've got to think. I have no time for temperant, temperament. Chattering just females. Chattering females. It's bad. That's the bad part. The chatter. I mean, the whole thing's bad. But the chattering female is super insulting. But like, I can't say in the history of my life, I've never been, you know, frustrated by something and took it out on somebody else. You know, that. Yeah. I can kind of. It's believable people for that. But yeah, calling someone a chattering female while you do it, that's kind of overstepping. Also, she probably is frequently aware that she does not have the education that he has in this area. Mm-hmm. She's just doing her best to help him as much as she knows how. And so him to like throw that in her face, I'll get a top notch scientist, not a chattering female. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that's a double handed. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, Black Widow. I was wondering what back. happened to her. Well, the last time we saw her in Hawkeye, they were kind of making out. Yeah, and then um, like two issues later, we hadn't seen her. So it's like, did he just right. park her somewhere or did she go home or what? Well, it's not hard to imagine how the conversation might have gone from there, but I do wish we had seen it. Uh-huh. Um, Is this a, go ahead. It's funny because she has never seen him without his mask before. Is this a new outfit for her, speaking of masks, or is this the same one? It seems different, but I don't remember. It might be slightly modded from the previous version, but it's basically the same outfit. Basically the same outfit, huh? The- cat mask and the fishnets and the leotard yeah. and all that okay i think i think maybe the cut of her mask was different she has a cape because all spies need capes oh yes capes are great and get sucked. super excited about bill foster did not see that coming i don't know why but i didn't realize he was this old of a character he has been around for a while but he does kind of disappear mm-hmm. until he gets brought back later so the revival yeah. of bill foster for black goliath i think is one of those hey yeah Let's use this guy that we had before. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought he was a 70s origin character, but cool. And Tony Stark. It was cool to see him, too, because, you know, former Avenger, talking to a current former Avenger. Right, right. Yeah, it was neat. Um, Pietro and Wanda are just doing stuff, and they go to a random <sighs> Einstein, and the I could find no evidence that that doctor was a person that we should know is or this, will know. Is this really how they're wrapping up this power thing? Because if so, what the hell? I didn't think so. I thought it was going to have more to happen with it, but I don't remember what it was. It's just like sometimes it's like they just do busy work plots. I don't know. Like 
what was the point of this? Why couldn't they have just been in the other stories? Why mm-hmm. do we need this? And it doesn't go anywhere. If they just magically get fixed by Professor Reinstein, like, who cares? I don't know. It better. Yeah. Who's to say it's fixed? It just it seems like it's fixed based on this page, but we don't know. Maybe next issue they grow warts and become werewolves or something. I don't know. Um, page 13, I was pretty excited. The Avengers, as a book, is moving into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. territory yeah. because of events from Captain America's series. Uh-huh. So it's just the world drawing closer together. You yeah. Know? It was great to see the barbershop in an Avengers issue. That was really cool. Yeah. And I think Steve will just take any excuse to call up Nick. Might as well. Might as well use him. And also, they're both guys that remember times that they grew up in. And mm-hmm. nobody, nobody else does. By the way, at page 12, I'm pretty sure that's the first time the Avengers Roundtable has a big A on it. Not that big a deal, but oh. I thought it was kind of cool. Pretty sure that's a thing that happens more often. Um, yeah, it was cool to have Nick in here, and I'm glad that they didn't use him that much. He's all just on one page. And it was just sort of like a resource, but that's neat. It's world building. Fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we get the lightning cloud, and I'm just like, huh, I don't know, but okay. Yeah, lightning cloud was weird, and... Um Avengers addressing the media is awesome. That's but then being tricked into turning turning bigot at the end feels uh-huh. a lot less than awesome. Although, I'm, you know, they're going to spin it next episode, but still. Oh, you mean where they pretend to be in agreement with the circle right. sort of? Yeah. Well, what do they say? They say like, uh, I don't know what they say. They don't exactly say we're, oh. Tell them we're not sure the serpents aren't really right. Oh, gosh, that's not a good thing to say. Okay. I thought oh. it was a little more down the middle, but I guess not. All right. Also, Hawkeye takes a call from the attorney general's office very chill, like very smoothly. <laughs> How many times has Hawkeye taken phone calls like this? This seems like interesting stuff, too. Like, I think in the future, this is not how that would happen. Like, you would think the Avengers would have some sort of government uh, liaison, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, that would filter this kind of request and information back and forth stuff. Not just any old buddy can call the Avengers from the government. Right. Yeah. And not just anybody like the Avengers can't just call the government. Like yeah. they need, they need to have a point of contact. Right. And that point of contact can also be the agent from the government. So yeah. There needs to be a liaison to liaise. Right. I did, you know, just because I'm me, I did look up the attorney general at this time. It was Nicholas Katzenbach. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he had a full head of hair, he would look like this guy in the comic. Okay. Maybe at but one he, point he did. Maybe at one point. All right. All right. That's Fantastic. Is that – we're still on this month, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. We're going to finish out the month at the end of the episode. Okay. Fantastic Four, then. The Fantastic Four 55. So we got 4455. Five, wow. Featuring the peerless power of the Silver Surfer. Remember that guy? I He's remember. Back. He's awesome. When strikes the Silver Surfer, leaving the Human Torch and Wyatt Wingfoot behind in the Near East to search for the trapped Inhumans, Reed Richards and his lovely wife Sue return to FF headquarters, accompanied by the ever-loving blue-eyed thing. And now as the curtain rises and the house lights dim, Reed speaks. All security units register positive, honey. No attacks have been made in our absence. Oh, that's wonderful, darling. With no new dangers in sight, we can continue our honeymoon. That was not really their voices. Wow. But yeah. yeah. That's not how it's- I picture her voice, usually. <laughs> Catherine Hepburn? 
where this was scripted with a smile by Stan the Man Lee, penciled with a passion by Jack King Kirby, delineated with a dignity by Jovial Joey Sinnott, lettered with a lilt by Swingin' Sammy Rosen, and applauded with a plum, not a plum, but a plum, by Honest Irving Forrest. Okay, so Ben is trying to call Alicia because he hasn't talked to her since, like, Galactus that we've seen on the page. Yeah. And she's not answering her phone. And Sue's like, well, why don't you just go over there and talk to her? He's like, because I'm scared and nervous and freaking out about it. She's like, why are you doing that? He's like, I don't know. Look at me. So um, he decides to go see Alicia while Reed and Sue get ready to go on their honeymoon. Um, Meanwhile, the Silver Surfer is surfing through the Silver Alps. Uh, There's some rock climbers, and they get to the top of a mountain that nobody's ever reached the top of before, and they see a dude standing up there with a silver surfboard. (laughs) So he whooshes away, decides he has seen everything on Earth that is worth seeing. And so he's just going to go back and find his friends. So Alicia is hanging out in, like, this mansion that's outside of the city, And evidently, this is just a place that she goes to sculpt. I don't know if it's like a childhood home or what, but she sculpts and she plays her guitar because Ben always loves to hear that song. And the Silver Surfer comes and taps on her window. She's like, oh, who is that? He just like warps through the door and through the, the wall and comes inside. She's like, oh, my gosh, it's you. That one voice I never thought I'd hear again. You've returned. And Benjamin arrives at the same mansion because Alicia's landlady said that she had come over here, she, he goes inside and says hi to Mrs. Bennis or Bins because Mrs. Bins is a person. And uh, she's like, you know, he Alicia's with a gentleman upstairs. You better be careful. And he's like, a gentleman. And he hears a gentleman's voices. He goes up and and he sees Alicia with an arm around the silver surfer because um, uh, I don't know. She's talking to a friend. And Benjamin J. Graham loses his orange rock skinned mind. He punches a silver surfer through the wall and goes after him and basically ensues a huge fight mm-hmm. between those two that lasts for like 75 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, in the Himalayas or some other nondescript mountain range of the world, um, Wyatt Wingfoot and Johnny Storm are just trying to get by and find out what's going on with life, the universe and everything. They've got this travel sphere that they got from Wakanda and they're making you know, campfires and cooking tin plate meals when they see a large lumpy shadow off in the distance staring at them. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, meanwhile, the thing and silver server keep on fighting. Then um, Johnny and Wyatt Wingfoot see the lump and they go towards it. And the lump turns out to be a dog shaped lump or something vaguely dog ish. And it's Lockjaw. It's Crystal's dog from the Inhumans. And so Johnny makes friends with him. And he's like, oh, wait a second. Lockjaw can travel between dimensions. He can transport himself anywhere. We just got to figure out his secret and find a way to follow him. And Wyatt's like, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's going to work as well as you think it will. And Johnny's like, no, no, no. This is all we're going to talk about this in this issue. And my next issue, we're totally doing it. So don't worry. Um, so the next, uh, then we know that Thing and Silver Surfer are still fighting until Reed Richards shows up and says, Benjamin J. Grimm, why are you being such an ass? And he's like, 
If anybody talked to me like that, that wasn't you. I'd have punched him out ten times from Sunday. And Sister was like, Benjamin J. Graham, stop it. He's like, oh. And so basically they yell at him and tell him he's being a doof. And they apologize to the Silver Surfer. And Silver Surfer's like, okay, that's fine. Maybe I did something that offended people and I should have done. But, you know, whatevs. I'm going to grab my Silver Surfer and uh, or Silver Surfboard and get out of here. And uh, um, he gives Benjamin a thing of flowers to give to Alicia. And Ben's like, what if he comes back? What will happen then? Next issue to free the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. Great. So next issue is going to be bad. But I enjoyed this one. This is, um, yeah, it's, it's a fun issue. It's just, uh-huh. oh, gosh. The more we read this run from uh, Lee and Kirby, mm-hmm. the less I like the thing. Well, I certainly didn't like his racism with the Black Panther. I was not right? a fan of that. That seemed yucky. This, obviously, he's not right, but the feelings he's feeling, I have felt many times before. So it is relatable in a way that maybe other heroes are not often relatable. Okay. So he's making bad choices with with realistic feelings. He's making bad choices with realistic feelings. So, yes, he shouldn't have punched Silver Surfer, but at the same time, did that really do anything to him? No. So it was just a big, long fight where nobody got hurt. But Yeah, he was being an ass for sure. But that's in a way what's cool about his character is because he's like more of a everyman than the than the archetype or whatever, you know, super more likely archetype. to just do something stupid because yeah. it's what he feels at the time. That's right. Just okay. like us. Uh, yeah, if, uh, I'll buy that for a dollar. Uh-huh. Remember the last time he saw Alicia was um, whenever he was standing on the roof with her and uh-huh. the other Fantastic Four members. Yeah. And they all just kind of walked away and left her up there. Uh huh. So he that was literally, the last time. He yep. literally left her alone on a roof, walked away all butthurt and sad, and then then he had the whole body change thing happen with that one bald, not Lex Luthor guy. And uh-huh. he went to go visit her as Ben Grimm, but oh. after he knocked on the door, he changed back to the thing and ran off. Oh, yeah. So as far as she knows, he just left her. If she doesn't want to see him, which is his fear at the beginning of the story... She's, it probably has nothing to do with his orange scaly skin. No, he needs to. It's it's easy to say he needs to get over that, but I understand that he should have a ton of anxiety about his looks because you know it's a new thing that happened to him and it's a horrible thing that happened to him. So I'm fine with him like waffling back and forth between being confident and being really uh, insecure about how he looks. Yeah, but uh, she also can't see, and she's also told him a million times that she loves him, and everybody else knows that she loves him. And again, that kind of. Just makes him identifiable because we've all been there too, where we're just too stupid to see what's really going on. We're always getting in our own way, and he's like that too. Uh, but he was a jerk to her, and then he expects her to like be waiting by the phone. And if she's not, then she's cheating on him. That's kind of yuck. Yeah, yeah. That's that. now that said, I do want to see Reed Richards and Sue Storm in civilian clothes way more often because mm-hmm, that, that was great. cool. That was really awesome. I um, love this mountain climbing gag. That was really fun. The setup of them being so excited about being the first people to ever reach the top of this thing. And then he's already there when they get up there. Just like standing there watching out. And I love his line. I have learned all there is to learn of the planet Earth. Yep. It's been three issues, dude. Uh, well, he can or travel. five. I'm sorry, five issues. He travels really fast? I don't know. I, 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 think, I, he I think he still needs to He's got a surface level understanding and does not realize. <laughs> yeah. 
Or maybe there's more. Maybe there's not anything more to learn. Maybe, maybe the surface level understanding is, is pretty accurate. I don't know. I don't know what his mental powers are because they do mention – they allude to the fact that he has some because he manages to find Alicia just because he wants to find her. It does say that he can do that, but it doesn't say how. They're just like, we don't want to explain it because we can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe he can like absorb the essence of a planet just by hanging around for three days. I don't know. Maybe. Eh, I just made that up. But uh, yeah. We get Lockjaw, mm-hmm. which is going to start a little arc with Johnny and Wyatt. I totally thought that thing you thought where he's all excited. All we got to do is figure out how he does that thing and why it's like, uh, that's not easy. Mm-hmm. But, but I have read the next Fantastic Four story, which, by the way, <laughs> is the King Size special number four. Uh-huh. Because uh, that, that fits exactly between this issue and the next issue. Uh-huh. Um, be, and, yeah. and yeah, they're already hopping with Lockjaw on that. Well, to be fair to Johnny... It may not be easy, but Johnny knows Reed Richards, so it probably is easy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I've seen him do worse. Um, I was kind of applauding the whole shredding that Reed gave Ben at the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes Reed is pretty cool. It's not as often as I like, but I liked him here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though the thing started it, so in that sense, he's not the underdog because he's just more the jerk. He is the underdog when it comes to fighting the Silver Surfer in general because there's no way. And yet he still does a good showing because he doesn't give up and he buries him in the rubble. Um, and I think it's also funny that Silver Surfer is just like, yeah, I don't even know why we're fighting, but uh, I'll just go now. And Silver Surfer could have just flown away and not fought. That would have been an option. So takes That's two to true. fight. Takes two to attack back. He could have just left. Anyway, yeah, it was a big chapter. fight, fun. Cover's not nearly as cool as that Thor one with Silver Surfer on it. I don't know what number that is, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, that's a Silver Surfer issue. I want to say four or something. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that, but it's not quite as – it's a little more awkward. Right. Yeah. Okay. Should we just get on to the last of our month? That's – I am ready. Finishing off with with John's favorite character, the Rhino. Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man, number 41, the horns of the Rhino. Despite the extreme modesty for which there's so – Sorry, I should probably blow this up so I could read it better. To which we're so justly famous, we simply have to tell you that this is one of the greatest achievements of Stanley Ryder, John Romita artist, M. DeMeo inker, Art Semek letterer. Hmm. I don't know if I agree with that, but we will see. Beginning a new great, a great new era in the ever changing life of the world's most amazing web spinner. And it starts with Aunt May having tea with her neighbor, Anna Watson. And Anna has this cool idea that Aunt May should just sell the house, pocket the profit for retirement money, you know, loose change, and come live with Anna, rent-free, you know, no more mortgage. And at first, Aunt May is like, ooh, that's a great idea. But then she sort of waffles and thinks, well, but what about Peter? Like, I can't just leave Peter, and he lives with me. And Anna's like, 20-something and has a job. (laughs) And she's like, no, he's really only 10 in my mind, and he has the sniffles. And so Anna just kind of goes, okay, well, think about it, and then walks away thinking what a bum Peter is. Meanwhile, cut to Peter. He is buying or trying to buy a motorcycle at a shop, and the guy asks for a reference. And usually that means, like, credit cards and stuff, but I guess it means call your boss. So Peter does that, and J. John Jameson's like, I'm not going to give you a reference. But then he's like, wait a minute. If he owes money for a bike, he'll 
he'll take more pictures and never quit on me. Okay, yes, I gave you my reference. <laughs> I'm so generous. Um, and and remember that he has a son because he does, um, and he's visiting the office when Peter called, and they actually reminisce about Amazing Spider-Man number one and the whole rocket shenanigans and Spider-Man saving John Glenn. John Glenn, yes. Um, <laughs> and, of course, they both have their interpretation of that. John thinks that Spider-Man was a hero and saved his life, whereas whereas J. Jonah Jameson thinks that it was all Spider-Man's fault, a big publicity stunt, and I can't believe you're falling for that, son. Um, but anyway, let's, then they're like, let's stop talking about Spider-Man. Tell me, how have you been the last, you know, 54 issues? And John's like, well, I went to space and I got me some spores. And his dad's like, what? Yeah, there's these spores and they clung to me and – when I landed, they were still on me. So they, they uh, put me in quarantine for, you know, two weeks. I'm surprised you didn't notice I was missing. And right now they're like, everywhere I go, I've got these two, uh, you know, government shadows who follow me around to protect me because they're worried that these spores are somehow awesome. And if the wrong hands get a hold of me, that would advance the space race for somebody else because spores. And he's like, wow, I didn't know any of that, son. That's crazy. Um, and then we cut to the rhino. Um, it's a big guy in a rhino outfit. You all know who the rhino is. And he's stomping on the southernmost border. That's all it says. And it involves some sort of Trump wall. And these guys, these cops try and stop him, but he's bulletproof. And then he slams through the Trump wall and he keeps on going. Back to the city. Uh, uh, what's his name? Yeah, Peter Parker is just moseying around and he bumps into Betty. And they're like, wow, hi, hi. And then it's like super awkward for both of them. But he like offers to take her to get coffee. And then it's even more awkward. It's just kind of weird. But they're like being polite. And then luckily for uh, Peter, he's saved by Ned, who also randomly shows up. And he's like, oh, well, now that you're here, I'm, I'm out of here. I, I get out of here. Uh, uh, see you later, Betty. And Betty's like, yeah, see you later, Peter. And then he leaves thinking, gosh, why did I ever even like her? I guess I just liked her because she was like the first girl I was super into. But yeah, we have nothing in common and I'm totally over her now. And this is great. Uh, then he sees on the news that the rhino's coming. And everybody in the world knows that the rhino's coming to New York, I guess. But they're just going to wait till he gets there, including Peter. So, okay, put a pin in that. Um, he runs across J. Jonah Jameson, who's escorting his son to the limousine with his private security, and Peter wonders about that. He goes home, um, tells Aunt May that he bought a new motorcycle. She is surprisingly calm about that, so he assumes that she's got a lot on her mind. He thinks to himself, gosh, I really wish I could move out, but I can't leave her on her own, so I better stay here. Oh, the irony. Anyway, and then he does some studying, and eventually the rhino does make it to New York. There's a radio that announces that. So he dresses up as Spidey and he goes out there. Guess why the rhino's in New York? He wants to kidnap John and the spores and take them to some unknown person for money. So he attacks the hotel room. He takes John. Spider-Man shows up. It's too late. John's already gone. So he swings around the city looking, comes across him, gets into a big fight with him. The fight basically consists of Spider-Man not being able to hurt Rhino at all, um, but the Rhino being too slow to hurt Spider-Man back. So, yeah, it's like punching a brick wall, but also a brick wall not being able to land a punch. So there's a lot of, like, jumping around. There's a lot of avoiding. There's a lot of destruction. Eventually, Spider-Man webs him up and gets closer so that he really exhausts himself, like swinging his arms and his legs trying to land a punch. And finally, he gets so tired, he just collapses. And that's when the cops show up and they take 
uh, what's his name? They take John back, and J. Jonah Jameson blames Spider-Man for everything, tries to have him arrested. Spider-Man runs away. Uh, John tries to correct his father, but to no avail. Uh, Spider-Man picks up his new motorcycle. I'm sorry, Peter Parker picks up his new motorcycle. Vroom, vrooms around all super happy. Sees Gwen in a new light for the first time ever because now that he's super over Betty, he's not even thinking about Betty and he's looking for a new set of curves to drool over. And suddenly Gwen is like, woohoo, I never noticed how hot she was. So he goes over to her and says, you like my wheels? She's like, I didn't really think you were a motorcycle guy. And she kind of says it in a disappointing way. And he's like, yeah, well, you don't know anything about me, but you're going to find out. And he walks away all happy and She's like, hmm, that's interesting. He's suddenly interested in me. He's the only guy I haven't rolled around in the hay yet. So this is great. Check that off my list pretty soon. Uh, Peter Parker comes home with his motorcycle. There's this cute moment with him and Aunt May and Anna and nobody understanding lingo. Um, um, Aunt May says, tomorrow we're going to have dinner and you are finally going to meet that Mary Jane, young man. And he's like, okay, fine. I guess I will. And he drives away in his motorcycle happy which I think is only like the second time that has ever happened in Amazing Spider-Man so far on our show. It ended happy. It's not what it means. What? <laughs> the tumble line. <laughs> I know. I'm just I mean, never, like never going to sh- get over it. But <laughs> No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's just, it sounds like it should mean that. It just says, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a horrible line. It's funny. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, what's funny is that like as a kid, I never second-guessed the word. Uh-huh. But yeah. But evidently, I'm one of the, like, five people who ever used it as a phrase, because literally no one I've ever spoken to recognizes it as an idiom expression. Yeah. Um, At least not that one. Yeah. So, I I made a big deal in the Green Goblin two parts, Mm -hmm. how John Romita's here, but he has to wrap up Steve Ditko's plot lines yet, Mm -hmm. uh, first. Mm -hmm. Because with this issue, it is crystal clear that John Romita is starting ideas mm-hmm. with this book and kicking out ideas. Yeah, he's like yeah, he he's he's done what he needed to do to wrap up old narratives and now he's bringing his all to the Spider-Man. So we've got Rhino, we've got, you know, Peter getting a motorcycle, we got Aunt May moving out, what's going to happen to Peter? Um they don't talk about, you know, where is Peter going to go yet. Um We've got John Jameson coming back because Romita probably read some early issues. Um, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Betty Brant comes back and Peter's over her. Gwen Stacy's starting to get it, you know, looking at Peter more. Peter started looking at Gwen Stacy more. But ho, 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 Mary Jane's coming soon. We're finally going to have that meeting in the next, you know, little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's lots of stuff. Is the, Betty, going- the Betty Brant thing in particular seemed like something he was just trying to wrap up. In a good yeah. way. I wasn't upset by it, but like, let's get that over with and done finally. Put a stamp on it. Right. And I think that, you know, having Betty and Peter realize that's over and then she goes off with Ned Leeds, it's like, okay, that's where that story is going to go. It's yeah. over with Peter and her. That felt really good. Not that it was over, but I liked that idea that he's just like, how come I was so obsessed with her at one time and now I just feel awkward around her? It's like, oh my God, that just happens all the time. And there really, there really is no reason behind it. It's just like you grow up or you change or your your mood is into something else now or the initial spark, you know, fades because of reality. But that just happens all the time and it just really resonated. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels very real. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, of course, Ned comes along. Mm-hmm. And for for no reason and for every reason, they strike up a conversation completely naturally with no pressure. Mm-hmm. It just feels super easy with them. Mm-hmm. For now. <laughs> for now. I was wondering, um, like, you know, why would a guy who can swing around want a motorcycle? And I wondered that the entire issue until it got to the end where he drove it on campus and asked if Gwen thought it was awesome. And I was like, oh, of course a teenager would want a motorcycle. Yeah. That's just, of course. That makes perfect sense. Can you guess why they're going to get a metric F ton of letters about this motorcycle? Because he has no helmet on? He has no helmet on. Do they care about that in 60-whatever? It was be- it was it was a becoming a big deal, mm. like uh, motorcycle safety. Seat belts weren't a thing yet because I don't know they just weren't yet. But um, the idea of people riding motorcycles without a helmet was actually a big platform at the time. Well, on the one hand, I could see like parents being like, "Hey, my kid looks up to this guy. You should show a good example." On the other hand, you could say um, it's not a normal person not riding around with a helmet. It's Peter Parker, Spider Man, not riding around with a helmet. So chances are he'll be fine. Chances are he'll be fine. Um, but Gwen Stacy saw him, and Gwen Stacy likes him. And he saw her finally for the first time, really. Up until this point, he's kind of ignored her because of his own problems. He, Yeah, he's been annoyed that she has, like, ought against him for whatever reason. And he's been like, why, why do you hate me so much? But, you know, they did have that argument where he did get a little lippy with her in a flirtatious way but it was when she was mad at him mm-hmm. and she almost slapped him mm-hmm. remember that one issue and flash thompson came over yeah and then he also had that problem where like her friend invited him to a party and he didn't want to be the resident nerd so he got mad mm-hmm. but mostly he's just wandering around campus consumed with his own thoughts and everybody thinks he's like uh, anti-social yeah so now he's now he's not now he's got a cool motorcycle and he likes her um she still doesn't look I right, do. though. Anyway. The motorcycle doesn't look right? No, Gwen Stacy. But we'll fix that. She's softening up slowly, but... Her face is different. She's it lost is. the arched eyebrows almost completely. Uh-huh. Um, the little clips in her hair are still there. But I actually, you know, as, as much as the headband is, is like the classic look, uh-huh. I actually prefer prefer this look for her. Um, well, where's the skirt and the go-go boots and the headband? And yeah, that's just how I picture right. Gwen Stacy. But anyway... We'll get there. But yeah, I do wonder sometimes if Romita was just like reading through the old Spider-Mans uh-huh. and getting inspired. Because he has John Jameson here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not too long before the lizard comes back. So in like the lizard hasn't been seen since issue six. He's also uh, Marvel Tales is running reprints of Spider-Man. So that might be where Romita is getting his uh, his rereads is by reading Marvel Tales issues. Um, but yeah. The rhino's cool. I mean, in general, the rhino's very cool, I think, But mm-hmm. as far as top Spidey villains. But he's cool in this issue, but at the same time, like for a first appearance, like who is he? I don't know. Not that we have to know everything about everything right away, but... No, it's true. He just kind of comes out of nowhere, and I think that's supposedly part of the mystique of it. It's just like he's this force out of nowhere for... He has a purpose and he has a mission. We just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's not too bad of a spoiler to say that, like... He's not off the table for this set of events yet. Okay. So they might so, like, just there, get into it later. Yeah, there's more Rhino in the immediate future. What they do with him, I forget how much they go into it, but um, he's not gone yet. Because he does ask questions like in the fight. He's like, is this is he powered by this suit or is he just wearing a suit and he's really a Rhino guy? Or mm-hmm. who the heck is this dude? Oh, that reminds me. Okay. Okay. Um, go back to 
Go to the splash page. The credits page. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, you got the picture of the rhino there. Uh-huh. Imagine the face is blacked out, and okay. it's a smiling mouth. Uh-huh. And you've got the eyes, and you've got the horns, and you've got this, like, soulless joy grin going on. That would be cool. Yeah, it's just... We were reading it, Keenan and I, and he's like, oh my gosh, what is that face? And it's also kind of on the front cover, too. Like, he's just like, looking at you and doing this, like, really weird smile. Yeah. Um, If the face weren't there, if it was, like, an actual What did you think of how they handled handled him in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2? Like, was that just a bonkers choice, or was that just me? Where they just, like, threw him in there at the end? Well, that, and he's, like, this giant rhino robot. With Paul Giamatti's head, like, why did Paul Giamatti do that role for one thing? But also, yeah, it just seemed weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Tech armor feels more realistic to me than I guess you know, that's leather, true. leather suit hide armor. I guess, but if you're gonna do like tech robot, why make a rhinoceros with missiles? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I mean, uh, that the I one thing I liked scene, about though. that, yeah, it's a great scene. It's just like he's just going off to be Spider-Man. The fact that it's the rhino and the fact that it's the last scene. And you don't, like, see the fight or, like, have resolution no. or whatever. Yeah. I was like, that doesn't matter. He's just going to go swing off and be Spider-Man. It's like the end of The Incredibles. Well, you know? it's also the kid. That's the best part of that scene. It's like, hey, man, I'll take over, you know? Right, That's right. fantastic. Anyway. Cool issue overall. I liked it. I liked I Spider-Man too. having a happy ending. It's odd. It is odd. But I hope it doesn't happen too often. But it was cool. I like Jonah's face. It's kind of like a squat square now. It's... It's Does, the face he had for him in, um, in the Daredevil issues. In the Daredevil issues, you talked about uh, how uh, uh-huh. Romita was being Ditko-ish with Spider-Man. Uh-huh. But it was very obvious to see the Romita and all the faces of the other characters. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming now, through here. Not that Jameson's been nuanced at all, but he is so much more a caricature now. Mm-hmm. I feel like with this issue than ever before. Mm-hmm. Like, he is just a slapsticky comic book character with smoke coming out of his neck when he's pissed off. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, oh my God. But funny. I enjoyed his stuff. Well, but, it's emphasized because it's juxtaposed with his son's mm-hmm. rational approach to Spider Man. Right, exactly. And Jameson's like, no, where'd you hear all that, Dad? I, I, I made it up. I mm. mean, um, it's just, yeah, Jameson, you. Now, is Ramita going, I mean, maybe we shouldn't spoil this. Is Ramita going to lose Ditko's standard uh, Peter Parker outfit? Because that really kind of sticks out like a sore thumb now, in a way. Like, this blue outfit that he wears all the time because he has been wearing that since like (laughs) early 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 days with the yellow vest like he's the bruce banner of spider-man i can picture other things that he wears yeah so i'm gonna say yes robin is gonna move him out of this how and when i don't remember exactly because i don't really pay attention to that a lot of times but i should it kind of works better with ditko i don't know why just because i don't know his style just is fine with like the character wearing the same thing over and over again but with ramita it's like you have to change this outfit i think he does feel like he's dressing dressing down, not in the sense of, of business level, but in the sense of, like, age. Uh-huh. I'm dressing the way I dressed when I was 16, but now I'm almost 20. <laughs> On the first page of Amazing Fantasy 15. Right, right. But cool. Cool issue. Yeah. And now we have to decide if it's the coolest issue. Oh, dear. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I'm really not sure. Oh, I am sure. I'm really sure. not sure either. I don't like this whole June-July problem because... It's hard to find them. Well, so, sort by publication date and put the June 30th at the end. Yeah. 
Okay, so the June 30th starts with... Probably uh, Daredevil. Daredevil. Okay, so Daredevil on up. Yeah. All right. So reading through the order that we covered them, because that's what I have on my screen. Uh, we have Thor King Size 2 against the Destroyer. Ooh. We have Tales to Astonish 84. What happened in that? That was, that was Namor. Going um, crazy in a movie theater. Oh, was that the crossover issue of Astonish? I believe so. Okay, yeah, I've read one other issue of Astonish, and um, Boy, maybe I'm yeah. not right. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it was There's... the Secret Empire one with the with the movie theater and the Hulk. Okay, cool. Um, and the Hulk also in New York. There's the X Men Twenty Four with um, was it? It was the Locust. Locust. Yep. Oh God, Plant uh, Bug Guy. Thor One Hundred Thirty Two, which. Uh, has he's he's going to the planet Rigel. That's right. And he's getting ready to fight the Black Galaxy that has Ego the Living Planet. That's right. Yep. And um, then Hurricane and and the uh, Horse Hounds of Hades. Mm -hmm. Um, My screen is not responding the way I wanted to. We got Daredevil 20 where he's up against the Owl. Yep. We have Sergeant Fury 34 with the origins of the Howlers. Mm -hmm. Strange Tales 149 with the end of AIM and uh, not the end of Kalu. <laughs> the middle, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. We got past the origin story, but we're just like going to shoot at each other through the windows here. See and if then it's... we're into familiar territory for this episode. Tales of Suspense 82, Iron Man versus Titanium Man, and Captain America ambushed by the awesome Adaptoid. The Avengers 32 with the Sons of the Serpent, the Fantastic 455 with the Thing versus the Silver Surfer, and Amazing Spider-Man 41 with the Rhino. Okay, I've got it. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me get my file out here. I've got it open. I just got to get over to it. Okay. So, what is your worst, sir, or your least loved? X-Men versus the, the what's his name? Buckman. The Locust. The Locust. And if I keep picking X-Men every month, that's going to be sad. But, hey, it's not my fault. It's right. It's just unbearable. Not only is it a bad villain, but this whole dialogue business with Roy Thomas is the worst in the X-Men. I don't know why, but it is. Kills me every time. What is your most loved? I'm going to go with my boy Cap. I really yeah. enjoyed that story quite a bit. And I thought it was kind of ominous and eerie the way... Jarvis was like not really Jarvis, and, and I'm really loving that like Tales of Suspense and Nick Fury and now even Avengers all kind of mingle together with these common threads of people. I am loving the cross continuity we've got going on here. Yeah, I've said it before. It feels like we're reading a book with like you know interwoven narratives more than separate series. They could create an AIM omnibus, and all these different titles would be in it. Oh dang! Would that be great? Um. Okay, so I can't decide between Daredevil... I'm not Daredevil. I like Daredevil. Between Doctor Strange and the X-Men. Oh, yeah. Doctor Strange wasn't great either. And the thing is, I've chosen almost nothing but Doctor Strange and the X-Men for like a long time now. I'm looking at my list of choices, and it's been Doctor Strange and the X-Men, with one exception, for nine months. Well, they are the biggest drag, though, man. I mean, I, I agree with you. It's like, I do not look forward to reading those very often. Um, so, did the X-Men have any character stuff? The X-Men had Jean Grey moving out and going to college. So, that was kind of a cool-ish part. 
But that she just came right back. So I don't know. Is that going to be a new thing or was that just a plot device? Hmm. That was but my then, favorite part of the book is when she was off to college. But, but it, then her one page of hanging out with the college friends was uh-huh. to introduce Dr. Hopper. Right. So is that just all like plot? Are we going to have more of this gene at college business or not? I don't know. But then Dr. Strange. Okay, so this Dr. Strange chapter, I remember actually kind of enjoying because it had the people and it had like uh-huh. the... Um, so actually, I remember saying I didn't expect to like this chapter, but I ended up liking it more. I like the so candles I, in the end. That was cool. Yeah, that was a cool little last panel. That was very mm-hmm. old school story. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm going to go with the X-Men once again. Agree with you on that. I mean, Locust's real name is Dr. Hopper. Yeah. So come on. Although, um, computer scientist Grace Hopper huh. was the first one to find a bug in the computer. What? And her name was Grace Hopper. Get out of here. Is that why nope. they called it a bug? Yeah, I don't know exactly how it could be called a bug. I've heard different stories that uh. she actually found a physical bug in the physical computer. Oh. That's why it wasn't working right. Hmm. Um, but yeah, our term debugging comes from her incident. So wow. it might have actually been a bug. Wow. But also her name is Grace Hopper. So yeah, well, that's weird. Maybe names like, you know. I'm supposed to take over the world as emperor, I guess. I don't know. Okay, so there's a lot of really good comics this month. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of really good comics this month. The Namor Hulk crossover, hella fun to read. Yeah. Thor versus the Destroyer, great stuff. Um, Daredevil and Owl, pretty solid Daredevil. Like, Daredevil has come into his Silver Age own. Origin of the Howlers, really enjoyed seeing Nick Fear's backstory. Um, taking down AIM, maybe not as great, but still fun. Both chapters of Tales of Suspense were doing exactly what they're supposed to do. The Avengers of the Sons of the Serpent. I mean, that's like really important comics right there. Fantastic for Benjamin J. Graham being his thingiest and Spider-Man with the debut of Romita's like actual plots, um, and the Rhino and everything with John Jameson. I, honestly have like five different comics yeah yeah i could have picked another one probably the e- the, the reading weir- the reading homework has been a lot easier lately i must say yeah yeah the weird thing is is nothing out is nothing is jumping out at me and saying yeah but this one uh-huh well then you have to pick uh-huh. spider-man by default i would think that's that's <laughs> that's why i picked tales of suspense because like yeah there's a lot of ties but which one is going to be the guy i like best oh I feel bad if I pick Spider-Man by default, especially when there are other really good comics. I mean, the thing about Spider-Man is I wasn't necessarily sold on the Spore thing. That seemed kind of underdeveloped. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say they are going to develop the Rhino more. And he was kind of cool, even without any sort of origin or explanation. Uh-huh. And I like the motorcycle stuff, and I liked the Jameson stuff. The fight was fun. Actually, it was neat to see Spider-Man not able to hurt somebody. That was a fun fight, kind of, like breaking his hands on the rhino and things. So that's pretty good. I don't want to say it's the best Amazing Spider-Man we've ever read, but it was fun. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know. Like fantastic. I really didn't think about these things before I cut to the recording. I know, but then it's like, uh. You know what was really fun, though? Also, Thor was pretty fun. And even though we said it was like just a big old fight, but like him beating up a bunch of Rigelians, like I could read that all day. That's just exciting stuff. Okay. So, 
I think for thrill power, a phrase I'm borrowing from 2000 AD, uh-huh. I think for sheer thrill power, the fact that he has a king size, which is pretty great, and an issue that was pretty great altogether, uh-huh. I think Thor has just more pounds of goodness. So which one are you going to pick, month. though? Well, in the, my rating system is just Thor. Thor is Thor. Oh, well, there you go. So, so he doubled like, down this month. There was one time I picked Spider-Man as my best and least because it had the <laughs> annual I didn't like, but the oh. monthly issue I really did. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to so, say Thor. Does that mean he gets two points? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, 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 gets, that makes it too complicated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Thor's the winner, and you already picked X-Men Loser. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, kids. The Avengers won. All right. Um, so next time, be here for another round of comics. Um, we're going back to the last two annuals, but we're just going to do four comics next episode for, for reasons that make sense in my brain. Um, we are going to cover the amazing Spider-Man King Size number three and Fantastic Four King Size number four. Then we're going to jump over to the monthlies for Tales to Astonish 85 and Thor 133. All right. And where can they find us if they want to talk to us about these comics that where they're reading? Go to MakeOursMarvel.com. There you will find a handy contact form you can fill out, send to us, or just write podcast at MakeOursMarvel.com. We like to read your letters uh, 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 every once in a while, so get those in before the next mailbag episode. While you're on the site, you'll also find links to our social media, Facebook and Twitter, as well as links to common podcast apps that have our show we just got added today by the way to amazon music's new podcast uh uh section i guess they started doing podcasts i don't know what that means they just sent me an email and we are on there so that's how you want to listen to podcasts you can find us there too sweet pretty much any podcast app hopefully if you just type make ours marvel uh we also like to you know tweet at people so you can follow me on twitter at john reads comics you can follow mike on twitter at Kaiser the Great, because he's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Don't tell him I said that. Okay. Um, and you can also find my other shows on Twitter at All the Pouches for my Image Comics podcast, at TFUK podcast for my Transformers UK podcast. Uh, we're wrapping up season two. Gonna spend a big old stretch of time in comics land of goodness over the next six months. But also, Keenan and I are gonna be doing a Jew Ranger. Journey. So those are going to come out on the same feed. That sounds, if you like Japanese superheroes, that sounds racist. Jew Ranger. Jew Ranger. Yeah, I I guess I, I see what you're saying there, but no, <laughs> it's it's totally Japanese words. Ah, I promise. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's I'd never thought about that before. Weirdly. <laughs> okay, so I'm just racist. Is what we're saying. Anyway, I mean it's it's what it sounds like. So go for it. But um, but yeah, so that's going to be happening over at the TFUK podcast feed. And yeah, um, I guess I guess that's our episode. Yeah, another week in the bag. Another month in the bag. All right. So come back next time, please. And until then, or until the rhino becomes Santa's little helper, make ours marvel. marvel.